shoppable video. What exactly is that? And more warnings about the new metaverse. Those are some of the big tech headlines on this Wednesday. And joining us now to break them all down, here is tech expert Amber Mack. She joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hey there, Amber. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here as always. We're going to start with Facebook whistleblower Frances Hogan. She is actually in Paris today, and she continues, Amber, to sound the alarm about not only Facebook, but yes, the metaverse. Uh, can you tell us uh, what her message is uh, essentially right now? What is she warning us all about? Essentially, what she's warning us about is that Facebook is launching the metaverse and pouring its efforts into the metaverse uh, as more of a distraction. This is what she alleges uh, based on all of the papers and documents that have been revealed from Facebook over the past few months. She's essentially saying that Facebook is going in this new direction so that we will stop talking about the harm that Facebook has done. All right. And she thinks that uh, as harmful as Facebook has been, that uh, the metaverse, this metaverse could be equally, if not more so uh, dangerous. Uh, Tell us a bit more about that, if you could. Well, I think one of the things to understand when we talk about the metaverse, basically what we're talking about is a virtual world. That could be a world where we use augmented reality goggles or virtual reality. And the idea is that you go into almost like a second space. So um, if you remember Second Life way back in the day, it's similar to that in some ways, but with new emerging technology. So essentially what she is saying is that there is a concern that this could be much more addictive than even Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, and she's really sounding the alarm early, uh, warning individuals who think that maybe the metaverse is a good idea, that perhaps Facebook isn't necessarily the company or meta uh, that should be responsible for its origins. Okay, so the metaverse, should we be excited about this, do you think, Amber? Should we be concerned about it? Should we be a bit of both? I think that we should be excited about the idea of the metaverse. I mean, imagine for individuals, for example, who can't travel, the idea that they could go into a virtual reality world and they would be able to travel in a free way way anywhere they wanted to go. Uh, At the same time, I think we have to be skeptical about uh, Meta, uh, of course, uh, the, the new name for the company that owns Facebook, about them being the ones who are responsible for this universe. Because at the end of the day, we've seen all the damage that Facebook has done especially over the past few months when it has been revealed um, that their algorithms are pushing hateful content and misinformation, content that's harming kids. We know more and more they haven't necessarily been the most responsible of social media giants. Yeah, does this have, do experts believe, do you believe, uh, Amber, that the metaverse has got maybe even more addictive qualities or properties than uh, Facebook? I mean, we talk about scrolling and so-called doom scrolling and how much time people spend on their phones right now. I can only imagine what that's going to be like uh, in the future when this whole experience is more immersive. The metaverse absolutely has the potential to be much more immersive and therefore much more addictive. Uh, If you've ever tried to talk to a 12-year-old who's playing a video game where they feel as though they are in another universe, it might be a little like that. So it's a very different experience than maybe scrolling through Instagram on your phone. So we should be concerned about the future of the metaverse and we should pay attention to make sure that it is a, a place and a space that we're building, again, that doesn't run into the same problems that we've seen with Facebook and 
and Instagram. So how do we do that? How do we protect ourselves in the metaverse? Something that uh, I think a lot of us are still sort of grappling with, including maybe lawmakers and uh, politicians still grappling with what this uh, really means. And there might even be some implications that are yet to be discovered or unknown right now. I mean, how can we make sure that we don't, uh, you know, uh, return to the mistakes uh, of the past, that we don't see a repeat of those? Uh, wow, Jeff, I would love to say that there was something that the individual person can do, but I worry a little bit about this. If you think back to the early days of social media networks like Facebook, uh, really they had this philosophy of moving fast and breaking things. That was the way that they built some of these social networks. And I think at the end of the day, the concern is that it's not about the technology. It's really a question of, a, of do we have the right leaders in place to be building these new spaces in the digital sphere? And do we have governments in place that are able to provide some sense of regulation. Unfortunately, as it stands right now, I think the answer to both of those questions is no. Joined by tech expert Amber Mack. Also wanted to speak with you, Amber, on this uh, Wednesday about uh, YouTube and something that is known as is being called shoppable video. Can you explain this for us? Well, this certainly is the rise of social commerce. So this idea that now when you are watching YouTube videos or watching live streams online, you'll be able to shop from within those videos. Now, it sounds like it's something brand new for all of us, but in other parts of the world, like China, for example, they've seen the rise of social commerce over the past few years. In fact, over the past few weeks, there is an influencer in China, he's known as the Lipstick Brother, who recently sold $1.9 billion worth of goods in one day. So Jeff, needless to say, we're seeing this shift of power from these traditional retailers and even e-commerce giants to individuals who are creators and influencers on social media sites like YouTube. All right. So can uh, somebody uh, watch maybe their uh, favorite show and they like a, a suit or an outfit that their favorite character is uh, wearing? They're watching it on YouTube. All they're going to have to do then, Amber, is click on that and it will take you uh, right to a site in which you can buy it? You're exactly right. So what we're going to see more and more is the shoppable video. So instead of just watching one of your favorite influencers on YouTube, you will be able to shop from within the video. So you will be taken out to a site. YouTube has also announced that they're having something called the holiday stream and shop event. This is a week long event where what we'll see is influencers who are doing live streams and who will be selling products. We're not unfamiliar with this format. We've seen it in terms of different live shopping networks throughout North America, but but now all of a sudden, again, there's that shift of power from those large corporations to individual creators and influencers. So is YouTube, are they starting to look at themselves, see themselves as the new Amazon? I mean, we're just talking about how much more immersive the metaverse might be than Facebook. It sounds as if this shoppable video could be even more immersive, believe it or not, than uh, Amazon is right now. I really do believe in the potential of shoppable video. I think we're going to see massive growth uh, here in Canada and in the US. We've seen a number of reports that have said that when it comes to sh social commerce, already it's 10 times bigger in China in comparison to the US. So we know more and more that shoppable video is the future in our social streams. And I think you're absolutely right. YouTube wants to get in on the action. And then all of a sudden, they do have that potential to be able to compete with some of the big players. I do want to note that uh, Amazon is also experimenting in this space as well with live streams and influencers. So there are many tech companies that are trying to participate and really come out on top.
Just finally, and again, like we talked about with uh, the metaverse, that there's certain pitfalls, things to be worried and or concerned about. Does the same hold true here for shoppable video that, uh, you know, people could find themselves in some financial trouble when it just becomes this easy to click and buy? Well, I think what we're going to see all of a sudden is that you're exactly right. I mean, think about uh, how we used to shop, you know, even 20 years ago, you had to physically get up and actually go out to a store and you had a sense of spending money. All of a sudden, when a person can watch a YouTube video and shop from within the video, uh, we have to be a lot more careful in terms of our budgets. But also we have to think about a younger generation and kids who are watching these videos and make sure be careful when you input your credit card information into any of these big platforms. All right. Amber Mack with us on this Wednesday. Amber, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tech expert Amber Mack with us. And we're back after this on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.